not already there as we look this evening, particularly at the account of Jesus' appearing to the Apostle Thomas. Let's pray one last time and ask for God's help. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. And, and really every Sunday we gather in commemoration for the resurrection uh, of your Son. And as we particularly focus on that this evening, might you work faith in our hearts, uh, faith for the first time, someone here who, who has never called on you, you might open their eyes to see this wonderful truth of the gospel and they might believe and be saved. And for us who have believed, we might uh, trust this all the more True as true, and, and be fed by it and encouraged in it. Uh, Lord, we, we might be tired. We might uh, need your help in, in focusing. Uh, might you help us? Might you strengthen us? And might our time uh, be profitable? It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Sometimes in someone's life, a single negative action or incident can totally define the rest of their life. I think of the, uh, the prophet Jonah, that it's, it's this whole incident in his life of his uh, fleeing from God's call and getting on a boat and being swallowed by a fish and, and still being unhappy uh, even when he preaches to the Ninevites. There is, there's more to his life. Uh, that's all we know about his life, though. And so it's uh, forever in biblical history, Jonah is known uh, from this one incident. And, and I facetiously think, you know, all eternity people meet Jonah. You're Jonah. Why, why are you so uh, indignant uh, of God's mercy towards other people? And we think of other Bible characters. Thomas is, is one of those as well, we have we often refer to him as doubting Thomas. Uh, in, in fact, that term is even made it into a couple of our dictionaries that uh, define a doubting Thomas as a person who refuses to believe something without proof, or one who is habitually doubtful. And so, this incident in Thomas's life that we have recorded here in Scripture is, you know, he's sort of for all of human history known as Doubting Thomas. Maybe this is a bit unfair of an identification uh, for Thomas. We know that in chapter 11 of John's Gospel, Thomas says, when Jesus said, we're going to go back to Judea after Lazarus has died, uh, Thomas says, well, let's go. We'll, we'll die with Christ. He, he is a, a man of faith and, and willing to die with Christ, at least uh, there. And we see him in other appearances in this gospel. But nevertheless, we do have this instance where Thomas doubts, and, and his doubt was not uh, correct. Jesus admonishes him for his doubts. He, he rebukes him for his doubts. And this is recorded for us here. One commentator notes, why Thomas was not present that first Easter day is not told us. But in the providence of God, his absence and subsequent coming to faith have generated one of the great Christological confessions in the New Testament. So he wasn't present. He did doubt, but God has so used this and and has inscripturated this incident for us. Jesus uses this man's confession as the basis for pronouncing a blessing 
on all who believe in the future in his resurrection, as we see at the end. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. Uh, That term there, Jesus says, blessed, uh, that's the same term, if you're familiar with the Sermon on the Mount, blessed are the the poor in spirit, blessed, blessed, this this idea of, of God's blessing on your life. And so that's familiar in Matthew's Gospel. That term only occurs one other time in John's gospel and Jesus says uh, in John chapter 13 to his disciples, you know these things, blessed are you uh, if you do them after Jesus washed the disciples' feet and admonishes his disciples to model this uh, servant-like spirit. And so this is the only uh, of the two blessings that we have here in the gospel. And Jesus says, if you believe in his resurrection, you will be blessed. So that is my exhortation to you this evening. Be blessed by believing in the resurrection of Christ. Be blessed by believing in the resurrection of Christ. Now I trust many of you here, if not all of you here, do believe that. So why why would you come back on on an Easter evening? Uh, to church, uh, you, you believe something of the resurrection of Christ. And so I hope that you're encouraged by this uh, blessing that you receive by doing such. But maybe you're here tonight and you haven't fully confessed Christ. You haven't fully laid hold of him by faith in his resurrection. And so hopefully through this text, you might come to that saving faith. I want us to see three requirements of us if we are going to be blessed by believing in the resurrection of Christ. Uh, First one here. If we're going to be blessed by believing in the resurrection of Christ, that requires a rejection of a heart of unbelief that necessitates signs. A rejection of a heart of unbelief that necessitates signs. This was read to us, uh, Jesus first appears to his disciples all together without Thomas on that first Easter, Easter, mor- Easter day. We don't know what the time of day was. The disciples are uh, they're locked in a room for fear. Remember, they had, they had all ran for their lives as Jesus was arrested. They're sort of laying low. Uh, there's been some reports uh, that he has been raised. There's been some appearances to some of the women, as we've seen. And then they're under locked doors, and Jesus appears to them and says, Peace be with you. He shows them his hands. He shows them his side. He shows them, I'm alive, just as I told you. I was going to die, and I was going to rise, and here I am. And he pronounces peace on them. But Thomas is not in this meeting. We don't know why Thomas was not here. And he, you know, we don't know all how this worked down, but we could use our imagination. Thomas returns. The disciples are, Thomas, you missed it. Jesus, he appeared to us. He's alive. It's real. The reports are true. We saw the nail prints in his hands. We saw the spear print in his side. He's alive, Thomas, our Savior, our Lord, our Master, our Teacher. He's alive. And all of their excitement may have been immediately hindered 
when Thomas says, unless I see the hands, the marks of the nails, unless I place my finger into the mark of the nail, unless I place my hand into his side, I will never believe. And so Thomas has this heart of, of unbelief. He, he rejects the disciples' testimony that Jesus is alive. Jesus, when he does appear to him, rebukes him. Do not disbelieve, Thomas. Do not be unbelieving. In fact, don't show yourself like an unbeliever. You're not exercising faith like you should. You have a heart that, that has revealed truth to you, and, and you are rejecting that. Now, uh, and, and the same is true for us, that if we want to believe in the resurrection of Christ, we have to reject our hearts that, like Thomas, want to recoil in unbelief at this news. We want signs. Thomas wanted signs. I want to see. I want to see the nail prints. I want to see the marking in his side. It's important to note here that it's not a rejection of belief without adequate evidence or grounds, but is rather a heart that is hardened to the revealed truth of God. We don't believe blindly. We're not to believe without adequate cause, but, but we are to shun away from a hardened heart that, that despite all of the evidence, rejects the truth. Thomas had adequate grounds to believe the disciples, but he refused. He should have believed their testimony. And we think of, of, the, of uh, when we talk about what is this hardened heart, we, we think of this, Jesus chides the Jews at times in the Gospels for, you are seeking signs. And we think of all the signs, all the miracles that Jesus did, all the healings that, that took place, feeding of, of 5,000, all the miraculous uh, things that Jesus did, and that the Jews still come to him and say, we want a sign. Give us a sign. Where if they would have opened their eyes, they would have seen the signs sufficient. Even when Jesus is on the cross, and this was read for us in, in, in Matthew, the religious leaders said, you know, he saved others, let him save himself. It, come down from that cross, then we'll believe. But believe it or not, it's not possible. It was not possible. Jesus had to stay on the cross. But if Jesus came down from the cross, the, those religious leaders would not have believed. Because they already had a heart of unbelief that despite all of the revelation they received, they, they, they rejected Jesus. In fact, there's evidence that, that the, you know, of the resurrection when the, the stone is rolled away and Jesus isn't there and it's been under lock and key and guard and the, and the guards come to the Pharisees and, and instead of saying, oh, maybe he is alive, maybe he is, uh, what he said is true, 
No, they said, oh, here's some money. Be quiet. Tell the story that the disciples came and, and, and took them. They had a heart that was hardened. Think of the soldiers themselves. They saw this miraculous event. They knew a body was there. They knew the tomb was sealed. And then they knew that the tomb, the, the, the stone was rolled and there wasn't a body there and no one came and stole it because they were there and yet they, they took the money and, and, and rejected the revelation. This is a heart of unbelief. What about you? Are you still refusing this blessing by believing the resurrection because you're holding on to your unbelief? You're, you're asking for more signs. I, I, I've met people that they're consumed with all kinds of apologetic questions. Endless questioning about, is the Bible trustworthy? And, and what about this passage? And what about this contradiction? And, and, and there, there is a place and there are answers to these apologetic questions. But they go on and on and on and they keep asking their question. What about other religions? What about more evidence about this one historical circumstance that we can't definitively prove in history? And that is somehow going to negate all of this evidence towards a belief in the Scripture, and they hide their heart of unbelief in their questioning. In reality, this person, or you may know in your heart of hearts that there is sufficient ground for belief in the resurrection. It, it, it screams to you, it, it cries out to you, but you hide your unbelief in your relentless questioning. You hide your unbelief in all of the excuses. So I couldn't believe in the resurrection because of this. I couldn't believe in Christianity because of this, this. And, and if God let this happen, that means he's not true. And, and on and on, and people go. Pray that God would change your heart. Reject this heart of unbelief that necessitates signs. And this is, applies to us as we share the gospel. You may come in contact with people who are like this. And you've got to go for their heart, answer their questions, but there comes a point to say, you know the truth, and you're rejecting it in your heart. So be, uh, being blessed by believing in the resurrection requires a rejection of a heart of unbelief that necessitates signs. Secondly, it requires a trust in trustworthy eyewitnesses. Requires trust and trustworthy eyewitnesses. Thomas should have trusted the disciples' testimony to Christ's resurrection. For two reasons. First, Jesus clearly foretold his disciples that he was going to die and he was going to be raised. Just two examples here in Matthew Chapter 16, verse 21, Jesus from that time began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. Mark 8. Verse 31. 
And he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. He, he taught this clearly. In fact, even the religious leaders know that he taught this because that's why they set the guard for the tomb in the first place. This deceiver said he would rise from the dead uh, after three days. So let's get this uh, tomb secure. So with that expectation, with that clear teaching from Christ, when Thomas came back and they said, we saw the Lord on the day that the Lord said he was going to rise from the dead, he, he should have immediately believed them. and said, ah man, I wish I was here. Is he, is he going to come back? When, when is he going to appear to us again? He should not have come back in doubt. And secondly, the disciples' testimony should have been believed. What, what basis did Thomas have for not believing their testimony? Why would they make this up? What would be untrustworthy about their testimony? If, if they're sitting in a room expecting to see Jesus as he said he would be seen, and Jesus appears to them as he said he would, and they testify to that, what, what is there untrustworthy about that testimony? But Thomas re- rejects that. He, he, he doesn't trust these trustworthy eyewitnesses. We're in a different position from Thomas because we can't, you can say what Thomas says and say, well, unless I see his hands, unless I see his side and touch it myself, I won't believe. But then you will stay perpetually in your unbelief. Because Jesus only appeared on the earth after his resurrection for a short period of time to a few people. Uh, and now it's left to his, his written revelation that recorded those appearances for us that we must believe. In fact, verse 29 assumes Thomas's request in the future is unanswerable. You, you have believed because you've seen me. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. That, that's a future. This, after I ascend to heaven, every other generation that believes on me has to believe without seeing me. And those who do will be blessed. And so in order to believe on him, what do we have to believe? We have to believe the eyewitness testimony that we have recorded for us in in the word of God. Who are these trustworthy uh, eyewitnesses? First and foremost, it's, it's these gospels. John ends his gospel there in verse 24 of chapter 21. This is the disciple who is bearing witness about these things. All of these things about what happened to Jesus. His his life, his death, his resurrection. Who has written these things and we know that his testimony is true. Or in verse 30 of of our chapter here. Jesus did many other things in the presence of the disciples which are not written in this book. The Gospels are not trying to be a comprehensive life of Jesus. They don't give us every detail. They give us important uh, uh, snippets of Jesus' life. For what purpose? 
But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in His name. These are recorded in in here so that you might understand and come to believe that Jesus is the Christ. The Apostle Paul had an appearing of Christ, and and he says that... uh, He records for us in 1 Corinthians 15 that Jesus appeared to a few brethren, and he he appeared to Paul. Peter is a witness to this, and Peter says uh, concerning the transfiguration in in 2 Peter chapter 1 that we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. We aren't making this up. We didn't create this fable story about Jesus as Savior, Jesus as resurrected Lord. We didn't follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord. But we were eyewitnesses of His majesty. We, we have seen Him. We have touched Him after He was dead and was made alive. We are testifying to this fact. And the reality is that most of these men that that have inscripturated this and have been uh, eyewitnesses to Jesus Christ lost their lives in, in horrific martyrdom. A lot of people will live for a lie, but, it, but if, you're, if you're pressing life and death, and you know it's a lie, and all you have to do is admit it's a lie, and you live, you're, you're going to say, oh, no, no, this, we made it up. Don't, don't get out and start flaying me. Don't crucify me. Don't beat me. Don't imprison me. We, we were just making this up. No, they saw the Lord risen from the dead. And that miraculous event that they have seen and believed uh, caused them to, to not deny that, but testify that even at the cost of their life. These aren't people that wrote these, these aren't people that got rich from writing this. They didn't get lives of luxury. They got lives of persecution, marginalization, and rejection by and large of the world. Uh, but nevertheless, they gave their lives for these. So I, I uh, contend that these are trustworthy witnesses. And they say Jesus came back from the dead. It's even amazing. In, in general academic scholarship, there's a general uh, advance uh, saying that the Gospels are, are, are more trustworthy than a previous generation has thought. And we say, well, we knew that. But nevertheless, even unbelievers are, are recognizing the, the truthfulness of these testimonies. Testimonies can be accurate witnesses. We use this in our loss uh, system. So we can trust these eyewitnesses. And we trust these sources because we trust the God behind these sources. If God has revealed himself in Jesus Christ, he will faithfully preserve that witness to that revelation. And God has done that for us in the word of God. So we have before us reliable sources that are trustworthy sources that are we to believe. So do you believe these sources? 
You believe these sources as trustworthy, as testifying to the truthfulness of the resurrection of Christ. And they're calling you to belief in Jesus Christ. Will you believe these reliable sources? You must if you want to be blessed by belief in the resurrection. Thirdly, this requires correct confession of Jesus' nature. Correct confession of Jesus' nature. We come to the best part of the narrative. Praise God that Thomas did not remain in his state of doubt. In fact, it was only a, it was only a week. It says eight days later, which it was a Sunday to Sunday, so the way the Jewish did time, you, in, you included the, the days. Uh, that's why Jesus rose on the third day. If that was confusing to you, it, it includes the day. Friday, Saturday, Sunday, that's an inclusive term. So Sunday to Sunday is eight days. So Thomas kept up with this unbelief for a week. And they're back in the upper room. The next Lord's Day. And they're inside. Thomas is, is with them. And Thomas gets what he wants. The doors are locked. Jesus appears. He pronounces peace. And then we can picture this this interaction with with Thomas. That I I would like to have been there. As, As Jesus looks at Thomas and says, Thomas, come here. Look at my hands. Put put your finger there. Look, Look at look at my side. Put your hand there. Do not believe, disbelieve, but believe. Gently, lovingly, but firmly, we can see Jesus calling Thomas to believe. You should have believed. I told you so. But here you go. Here they are. Here I am. And I'm sure there is more discourse here that, that is not recorded for us, but we don't see, nothing's recorded of us, of Thomas just, you know, forever going, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I shouldn't. You know. What is recorded for us? Thomas says, my Lord and my God. His two statements in, when he's faced with the resurrected Christ is, Lord and God. You, you are my Lord. You are my Master. You are the one whom I owe obedience to. You, 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 I owe you my life. I owe you my all. And in fact, you're, you're my God. This is, this is a clear statement of Christ's deity. In fact, we have very few such explicit, direct statements in the Bible of Christ's deity. That doesn't mean the Bible doesn't clearly teach that Jesus is divine, but but such statements are so explicit as this. It's John 1. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. We saw another one in Romans 
9, 5, and maybe another one is, is in Titus 3, 4. But this is really the only such direct, explicit calling of Jesus, God, from a, a character in a narrative. So when met with the resurrected Christ, Thomas's two terms for Jesus are Lord and God. Only one with a divine nature can come back from the dead and be such as Jesus is now. Such an individual deserves all of his worship and his service. Interesting here, Jesus doesn't correct anything that Thomas says. He doesn't say, whoa, 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 Thomas, you're getting carried away with yourself and all of your excitement. I'll take the Lord, I am your teacher, I am your master, but, but when you call me God, you've, you've gone too far, I, you know, I, I, I'm not God. No, Jesus doesn't say that. Jesus says, uh, you believed because you've seen me. You have properly now believed. You've properly understood who I am. I am Lord and God. I'm the God of the universe that has took on flesh and died for sin and now has been raised to life. I deserve all obedience. Thomas, you've believed rightly, even if lately. So our confession of Christ must be nothing less as well. If we want to be blessed who believe like Thomas, we must have the same acknowledgement about who Christ is, Lord and God. Our acknowledgement of Christ must be according to his full nature, So when I say belief in the resurrection, it encompasses more than just belief in that one instance of resurrection. It requires a correct view of who Jesus and what he has done in all of his life. None of us can have an exhaustive knowledge of God, but we can have a correct one. And this is why our our confessions and, and, and creeds have so worked out for us clearly who particularly Christ is and understanding who he is clearly and correctly is is fundamental to salvation. We cannot confess Jesus after our own image. We cannot define him or his resurrection or anything after our own image. Correct confession comes from an accurate understanding of who Jesus is as revealed in the scriptures. Not in your head, not in the newspaper, not in some book you read. It's Jesus as he's revealed in the word of God. And Thomas beautifully summarizes that for us here. He's Lord and he's God. To receive the blessing of believing in the resurrection of Christ, you cannot believe that Jesus is just a good man or a good teacher. You cannot believe that he's merely resurrected in your heart by faith. 
No, you must believe that he is very God, a very God who took on flesh, suffered for sin, then was physically raised from the dead, and now sits in heaven at the Father's right hand. It is this confession in the resurrection that brings blessing. It's not your own confession of who Jesus is, but it's a correct confession of who Jesus is that brings this blessing. And, and a lot is hanging on this blessing, because what is this blessing? John tells us in verse 30 to 31, these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in His name. Eternal life is at stake in our belief in Christ Do you want life? Do you want true life now and forever? Eternal life? That only comes by laying hold of Christ by faith. As Paul says in Romans 10, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So maybe you're here tonight and you say, well, I like life. I feel sort of empty. I don't, I don't know what's beyond death for me. I, I, I've never really seriously considered Jesus. I'd like life. I'd like true life. I'd like eternal life. How do I get that? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Confess your sins to God. Confess your belief in Jesus as Lord and God and Savior. Trust Him to save you, and, and, and He will do that. And then you can have all of the blessings of eternal life with God by believing on this resurrection of the Lord Jesus. What a more perfect day to confess Him than on this Easter as we celebrate His resurrection. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that the Lord Jesus Christ is not laying decayed in in a tomb in Jerusalem. We thank you that he is very much alive and well and is seated at your right hand this very moment as Lord, as judge. And he is gathering a people for whom he died from every tongue, tribe, and nation. And the gospel is advancing to the ends of the earth. We may not feel that in our neighborhood or our nation or our neck of the woods at every moment of our life, but we trust that Jesus reigns as Lord and he is building his church. We thank you that he is alive. We thank you, Lord, for many of us here. We know uh, this, this blessing of belief in the Lord Jesus Christ. I pray if there is any listening now, who have not acknowledged Christ as Lord, that you might melt their heart 
and they might believe and be saved, even this very night. We thank you for this precious gift of salvation. Might we boldly and powerfully proclaim this in our community. In Jesus' name, amen. As we close, we're going to sing hymn number 650 in your red hymnal, I Will Sing of My Redeemer. Hymn number 650.